Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season two, episode number 28, Cubs squeak past the Dodgers. Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Well, Crowley, uh, you got your wish. You aimed a little higher than me. The Cubs not only get one win, but get two wins, and they get past the Dodgers, but uh, a lot of drama in the uh, three-game series out in L.A. Dustin, my heart is still beating. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, the, the, the series just wrapped up, and I, I had a, a feeling two out of three was going to happen. It just didn't happen like I thought it would. Uh, the, the games on Saturday and Sunday completely threw me for a loop. So, <laughs> you know what, man? That's baseball. It's so unpredictable. It's such a wacky sport. I think that's why we love it, but it ages us horribly because I'm just telling you, man, I, I am seriously still just trying to catch my breath uh, from everything that happened on that one. So, all right, well, let's, uh, yeah, what a weekend indeed for the Cubs. Let, let's get into it. Let's start back. We'll rewind to Friday, late night, Friday night, at least, you know, for those of us who get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to go to work. Uh, let's get into game one, which started a little bit after 9 o'clock Friday. Yeah, you had the big lefty Justin Steele going up against the Dodgers, Noah Syndergaard. And this, for the most part of it, was a pitcher's duel throughout most of the game. In the top of the third, Jan Gomes led off the inning with a single, and when Nico Horner struck out swinging, he stole second. You heard me correctly. Jan Gomes stole second. So Dansby Swanson struck out for the second out before Ian Hatt hit a ground rule double to give the Cubs a one to nothing lead. Now that lead was short-lived as the first batter in the bottom of the inning, Chris Taylor. He doesn't get a lot of hits, but when they do, they go out. He hits a solo home run off steel to tie the game. But in the top of the fourth, former Dodger Cody Bellinger doubles to lead off the scoring. He advances to third on a ground out by Patrick Wisdom and scores on a ground out by Eric Hosmers and the Cubs back in front two to one. Then in the top of the fifth, Jan Gomes leads off the inning with a solo home run to make it three to one. But the Dodgers had their own leadoff solo home run by Max Muncy in the seventh to make it a three to two ball game. 
So with the Cubs leading three to two in the top of the eighth, Dustin, it's a one-run game in the top of the eighth. Dave Roberts calls on Andre Jackson from the bullpen, and Ian Happ greeted him with a home run. In case you're keeping track, that's four home runs to lead off an inning in the game. The next batter, Seiya Suzuki, in the first game back from an oblique injury, hits one 406 feet with an exit velo of 107 MPHs. Back-to-back jacks. Cody Bellinger flies out, but then Patrick Wisdom joins the home run party. Cubs blow this one open, leading 6-2. to two. Then in the top of the ninth, Jan Gomes hits his second home run of the game, fifth home run in the game to lead off an inning, and the Cubs would add another on an Ian Happ double, his fourth hit of the game, and the Cubs would take the game one, 8-2. to two. I don't even know who what's the, what's the storyline here. There's so many great things that happened in this game, Dustin. Well, this was the Jan Gomes game, right? You know, there, everybody's going to have at least one of these kind of games, but uh, the most unlikely of heroes. They didn't need all of it, but just unbelievable. And he had a nice night behind the plate as well. You know, his connection with Justin Steele, obviously. But yeah, that that last Friday night was the Jan Gomes game. Absolutely, that that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna remember from that game. But Justin Steele had another quality start, six in his last seven outings, going seven innings, giving up seven innings pitch, going seven innings pitch, giving up only three hits, two of them solo home runs, um, one walk and eight Ks. I think it was his best start of the season. You know, we talked about Justin. I said his best yet to come. I thought he pitched really, really well. Brad Boxberger and Michael Rucker each pitched one inning of relief. As far as hitting, the Cubs scored eight runs on 12 hits. Ian Happ was four for four with two doubles, a homer, and three RBIs. That's another story. And then, like you said, Jan Gomes, three for four with two home runs, three RBIs, and a stolen base. (laughs) And a stolen base. (laughs) And a a partridge in a pear tree, as you like to say. But, Dustin, there is something we got to talk about, and, and this is umpire Jim Wolf. You know, look, I'm all about these new rules but have common sense. That's really what it's about. So Cody Bellinger, as you know, played six seasons for with the Dodgers. He won the Rookie of the Year. He was an MVP, a two-time All-Star, and won a World Series with the Dodgers. Of course, in his first at-bat, the Dodgers fans are going to give him a standing ovation, and then Cody's going to wait and kind of just accept that, you know, kind of get the love from the fans. It's, it's been going on for years, and it's even happened this year. When uh, Andrew McCutcheon in Pittsburgh, he's back with the Pirates. His first at bat, and you know they didn't call a pitch clock violation. When uh, what's his name, Uh, Eric Hosmer came back to Cincinnati, he did same thing. But Jim Wolf calls a pitch clock violation on Cody Bellinger and gives him a strike. What kind of clown show is this? Right. I almost wonder. I almost wonder. And hear me out on this. I, I totally agree with you. But do you think any chance? that the Dodgers skipper said to Jim Wolf, hey, Jim, rules are rules. Don't forget. You think that's something that was talked about maybe before the game started? I, you know what? I, I can't say it did or didn't. I can just say that you're the umpire and you have you can sit there and you, you're the one that's going to indicate when the pitch clock starts and stops. And again, I think just a little bit of common sense goes a long way in this one. You didn't have totally to agree. To- totally agree. I, I just I just wonder if Roberts said, hey, Wolf, don't forget. You, you knew that was going to happen. I mean, going into the series, that was that was a storyline they I, I saw in the pregame notes out there on social media. People covering the team wondering out loud if this was going to happen and indeed it did happen. 
Um, it happened, and but but my whole my whole point is is that it's not like there hasn't been a precedence. This was the first time this has ever happened. Oh, it's right. happened in other games, and right. umpires have handled it brilliantly. Right. And 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 I I know I don't see I don't know Dave Roberts personally. I, I know from what I hear, he's a decent enough human being that when Cody Bellinger, his player for all those years. He's not going to say you can't. Yeah, I'm just speculating, right? I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out a reason why Jim Wolf would not have used common sense. But yes, he could use another shot of common sense. There is no doubt about that. So a good game one for the Cubs, and and you know we thought that you know my thought was you know Noah Syndergaard the Cubs were going to beat up on him, and they really didn't. It really was Andre Jackson they beat up on. You know that was one of the best games that uh, Syndergaard had in a while. But that was one that I had in my my little book that the Cubs were going to win that one, and I had the Cubs winning game two, and I was kind of almost right, but uh, disappointing game for me. <laughs> kind of almost right on game number two. It was it was disappointing, and uh, it, it gets even more disappointing after what happened on Sunday. We'll get there in a minute, but Crawley, walk us through as you uh, as you do so well. Now, this started as a pitcher's duel and st- stayed that way. Uh, Dustin, I know you said this was a start, a start you wanted to see from Jamison Tyone. He had a rough first inning. He threw nearly 30 pitches, but he didn't give up any runs. Then in the second, Michael Vargas, who had a really good series, singled. And then Jason Hayward, with revenge on his mind, jacked one to straight center, but former Dodger Cody Bellinger, with revenge on his mind, jumps up at the wall and steals a two-run homer from Jason Hayward. And then after that, Tyone settled down and had what I would say is his best performances here as a Cub. Oh, now, without after- a doubt. I mean, seriously, absolutely, positively, without a doubt, this was his best start as a Cub so far. Now, after a dominant offensive performance on Friday, eight runs, the Cubs' offense disappeared against Michael Grove. So this is where, on my book, I had the Cubs beating the Dodgers. Grove is the Dodgers' number seven starter. He's only on the team because of injuries to Walker Bueller, Tony Goslin, and even rookie Ryan Pepio was ahead of him. So he started the game with an ERA over nine. He went 5.2 innings and gave up two hits, one of them a solo home run by Patrick Wisdom, his second homer in consecutive games in the fifth inning. The Cubs had an opportunity to add to their one nothing lead. Seiya Suzuki let off the seventh with a single, but he was caught stealing. I had no idea why he's trying to steal Coming back from an oblique injury, it made no well, sense. Well, that's that's exactly it. So, been super aggressive. The Cubs have been super aggressive on the bases, but there is no reason for Suzuki in that situation to be doing that. Very next batter, Cody Bellinger walks. He takes second on a wild pitch, but then the next two batters, Trey Mancini and pitch hitter Edward Rios, both struck out. Then in the top of the eighth, with one out, and this is where people are just livid. Tucker Barnhart singled, and Nico and Dansby both walked. But with one out and the bases loaded, Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki both struck out to end the threat. Now, the Dodgers yeah, couldn't do anything offensively. That was tough last night. Yeah. That was frustrating. Yeah, bases loaded, hard of the order. you got to be able to come through with a run, at least one there, right? Yep. So the Dodgers couldn't do anything offensively either. Mark Leiter Jr. pitched one inning and struck out three batters. Keegan Thompson went two innings, struck out two, looked really good. The Dodgers had only two hits, Dustin, through eight innings. A single in the first and a single in the second. That's it. But in the ninth inning, Michael Fulmer came in to close the game. Didn't go well. J.D.'s Martinez lines out for the first out of the inning. 
but then James Outman singled and Michael Vargas doubled down the left field line. With runners at second and third and one out, Jason Hayward came up to the play. Fulmer struck him out, and the Cubs are one out away from taking the series. David Roberts calls on David Peralta to pinch hit. He singled, and both Outman and Vargas scored to walk it off. Dustin, the big question, and I know you guys are probably going to talk about it on the Mully and Haw show tomorrow morning. Should they have walked Peralta? Should they have pitched to him? Where were you at on that? Well, it sounds like if you read through the uh, muddiness after the game, it sounded like the plan was not to intentionally walk him, but to pitch around him, and Fulmer just got a little too much of the plate. And that wasn't the game plan. So I think the idea was to, air quote, pitch around him. Um, but my why people also were saying there was a a catcher that they didn't think was available, that ended up was available, he was on the, on the bench. So there was some speculation that somebody wasn't available that ended up actually being available to the Dodgers. Um, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, obviously. But if you're going to pitch around a guy... When I find that out, then why not just give him the four, right? Just, here you go. Just go over there. No need to play around. So, Fulmer didn't execute the game plan, I guess. That's what I'm reading into this. Right, and so the the guy you're talking about is Will Smith. He's their everyday catcher, and he just today on Sunday went on the IL for concussion protocol. And so he was technically on the bench. He was technically able to pinch hit yesterday. Um, and so they didn't, but people, the fans, the fans, like you and I were thinking that he wasn't available. So that's why they were mad at Ross because they thought he was unavailable at that time. And they were basically down to one available pinch hitter at that moment. Right. And, and again, you know, who, who knows what happens, but either way it's a loss. And, and if you, and if you can score when you have the bases loaded and one out in the heart of your order up, it doesn't matter. Right. You don't win a lot of games in this league right now with one run. Very hard to do. Right. You're not going to win right. a lot of one nothing games. So Tyone went 5.2 innings, gave up two hits, no runs, two walks, and seven Ks. Leiter pitched a scoreless inning, and Keegan pitched two scoreless innings. Fulmer was charged with the blown save, and this is what I'm talking about and what you're talking about. Offensively, the Cubs had one run on four hits. Patrick Wisdom with the home run, 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. That cannot happen. Nope, that's the stat. We don't like to talk the old Rispy. 0 for 8, Rispy, not a uh, recipe for uh, a W. No, and then, again, I, I had that game pegged as an easy number two. You know, that I thought series win, no problem. Michael Grove, we just had eight runs the night before, going to crush this guy. And now you put yourself in a bad position. you got to face one of the best pitchers in all of baseball to win the rubber match of the series, and that's Julio Urias. And this game definitely lived up to my expectations. Like I said, still have some like heartburn going on right now. Yeah, it was a fun ball game. Absolute fun ball game to watch. Glad I caught every pitch of it. Bottom of the third, Chris Taylor again doesn't hit a lot. Doesn't hit much for average, but when he does put a bat on it, very similar to Patrick Wisdom, it goes a long way. He hits a home run that bounces off the foul pole. Dodgers are up one nothing, and you're thinking that's all they need with Julio Urias on the mound. But then the Cubs tied in the bottom of the fourth with you know when Cody with one out. Cody Bellinger hustling out of the box, reaches on a fielding error by second baseman Miguel Vargas. What a hustle play by Belly. I mean, if he just kind of lollygags it or something, Vargas recovers and gets the out. He was extra motivated, Crowley. It felt like all weekend long, huh? All weekend. All weekend. He stole the home run from Hayward the night on Saturday night, right? I mean, he, he was motivated all weekend in L.A. 
Absolutely. And, and and so you you look there, and now he's able to steal second, which is hard because Urias has a great move. Jan Gomes grounds out to move him to third, and then he scored on a Luis Torrens infield single to Urias that Urias almost threw away. So the Cubs tie it up. Nico and Dansby, it, it seemed to me, Dustin, that after that, he kind of went on tilt a little bit, right? He kind of oh. he, he lost his composure. He was definitely shaken up, no doubt about it. Nico and Dan, he was mad about the air. He was mad about that infield single that just kind of bounced in front of him and he kind of stumbled to get the ball. And then Nico and Dansby followed up with singles to load the bases, but Ian Happ didn't have the greatest of games today. He grounded out to end the threat. Um, and then when he came out in the six, he didn't look as crisp. He got the first two outs, but it wasn't the same pitcher. And then Patrick Wisdom hit a home run for the third game in a row, becoming the third Cubs in history with three home runs in a series at Dodger Stadium. David King Kong Kingman does it in 78, and the Sarge Gary Matthews in 86. <laughs> then Cody Bellinger follows it up with his home run of his own, back-to-back jacks, that makes it 3-1, and when Jan Gomes hits a single after that, Julio Urias was done for the day, and he was frustrated. Yeah, it was interesting to get rid of him. I, I would have never had expected the Cubs to have run him out like they did. And you know what? It's never easy for the Cubs, especially on the West Coast. In the bottom of the seventh and one out, Albert Alzelay walk Chris Taylor. You know, Austin Barnes gets his first hit of the season to put runners at the corner. Then Mookie Betts hits one that Seiya Suzuki completely loses in the sun. He's just helpless, and the ball drops about six feet behind him. So a run was going to score anyway, but you only have one out now as opposed to two. And now you got runners, uh, you know, you got, uh, you moved Barnes to second and the Cubs lead is three to two. Mark Leiter again comes into the game. Dude, that guy has got ice running through his veins. He gets Freddie Friedman to strike out. Could be the play of the game. Could, Could possibly be the out of the game. Huge. Then he gets J.D. Martinez to ground a ball to Swanson, who we've talked about. Normally very sure-handed, but it hit off the lip of the grass, funky, hit the heel of his glove. Everybody's safe. Bases loaded, two outs. The one guy I told you hot and not, Max Muncy, when he's got runners on, is just a different hitter. He's got the bases loaded game on the line, and Leiter Jr. gets another strikeout. Two huge strikeouts against Freeman and Muncy. Leiter has just absolutely impressed me so much this season. Awfully good so far. Awfully good. Like you said, you know, everyone I think overreacted to what happened with Fulmer in the uh, game before. He came in today in the eighth. He looked fine. Box Boatberger closed out in the ninth. But you know who didn't look fine, Dustin? The home plate (laughs) umpire. Oh, my God. Look, I'm a Cub fan. You know that pure and true, man. But look, you want the game. You want to win because you won, not because the umpire made some bad calls. And in the ninth inning, that was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Jason Hayward called out, and and it wasn't even close. These pitches weren't even close. Well, Hayward's, I, I felt Hayward's was worse than Freeman's. Well, well, there was the one against it was against Hayward, and that was just ridiculous. And then I'm trying to think on the last one was, was another strikeout. It looked like it looked like the umpire had a hot date. It looked like right. he wanted to get going, man. It just. It was these were not even close, and so I'm going to look at ump scorecards tomorrow to see what happens, because that was yeah uh, yeah Mookie bet singled and then the Friedman one that was just yeah. awful awful. So, but how about after how about after that strikeout, Crowley? Did you notice that on on Marquee the guy stands up, rips open the shirt, and there's a big W with a Chicago flag <laughs> W. That was awesome. 
We didn't pay him to be there, but uh, hey, he was flying his W, right? Uh, Drew Smiley came up big, 5.2 innings. He went toe-to-toe with Urias, and he was not happy about getting pulled himself. Gave up four hits, one run, two walks, and three Ks. Alzali, point two innings. He gave up a run. Lighter, point two innings. Two of the point, the biggest point two innings you'll ever see. And then Fulmer with the hold, Boxberger with the save. The offense scored three runs on 11 hits. Home runs by Wisdom and Bellinger. Horner was two for four. Swanson, three for five. So... Uh, those guys, you know, good to see Swanson kind of have a bounce back game. But again, Rispy, we're talking about two for seven. They left nine guys on base. Um, I felt like, or, you know, I'm sorry, that was the Dodgers with the Cubs. It wasn't great either. I was looking at it earlier. Two for nine with 10 left on base. So, you know what? Anytime the Cubs can walk out of uh, Chavez Ravine Stadium and, and get that with victory, I will take it all the time. Dustin, that was the first time that the Cubs won a series in L.A. since 2014. Wow. We're talking about nearly a decade. Wow. That's amazing. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. They've got to be on a high as they're going to jump on a plane any minute now as we're recording this podcast and uh, head north up to uh, Oakland to uh, get ready to take on the A's. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. The Cubs squeak past the Dodgers. It's season two. It's episode number 28. In this segment, Crawley interviews Brendan King, play-by-play voice of the South Bend Cubs, to see what the roster looks like for the high-A affiliate of the Cubs. Last week, we talked to Sam Wiederhoff of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. This week, we move up to high-A, where we see Brendan King from the South Bend Cubs. Brendan, how's it going, buddy? What's up, Carl? Thanks for having me, brother. Good to catch up with you. I think the first time since spring training. So uh, that just means baseball season's underway, and it's been a fun first week for sure. Yeah, you know, and and you know, you and I, and we had Max on, and during springtime, and you guys, you know, last year was such a special season for the South Bend Cubs. You went seventy three fifty eight. You beat Cedar Rapids in the playoffs first round. You beat the Lake County Captains, and you get you get the ring. I mean. It's so hard. I mean, I, I'm not even a, you know, I'm just a fan, you know, like the 2017 team, the big joke was it was like one big hangover, you know, to come back in and kind of do this all over again is, is just got to be kind of a strange feeling, you know? It is a bit strange, but it's been cool because of course the pandemic was mixed in between the titles. So I just think the two championships in three years, and by the way, for anybody listening, pardon the ballpark sounds there. They're, they're clean. I'm still at the stadium after uh, we won 9-1 today, big win over Beloit, um, and they're cleaning up the stadium. But, you know, I, I think the two championships in three years with a whole year of pandemic mixed in between just shows the depthness of the organization more than anything, and especially on the pitching side because, you know, you could talk about the PCAs and the Caseys and, uh, and all the big boys of the bats, but at the end of the day, pitching is going to win you championships. And, you know, the starting pitching down the stretch last year was huge. I remember in the championship game in 2019, Riley Thompson threw five shutout innings and he struck out 10 and it was remarkable. And now Riley Thompson's getting an opportunity at AAA. So, um, you know, all, the bats of both of those lineups, they took us to a title, but you don't win those without pitching. And um, and now you're seeing some of those guys get up to Chicago, which is super exciting too, Crowley. Yeah, you know, you, you talked about some of the big guys. I mean, it was just unbelievable the, the amount of talent that, that passed through South Bend and, and was also part of that championship run. You know, you think about all the guys you lost, 
from the first half that got moved up to Tennessee. And then you yeah. just had a whole new different crew come in. I mean, you're talking, like you said, Owen Casey, Matt Mervis, PCA, Jordan Wicks, DJ Hurst, Porter Hodge, Louise Devers. Am I, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Yeah, I mean, even throw a guy like Jeremiah Estrada in there. I mean, Estrada was our first half closer, and then, you know, he makes it to the big leagues last year. Um, I, I, I think last year was a great example of a team just playing through sequences. I, I really think there were three variations of the South Bend Cubs. There were Matt Mervis and Jeremiah Estrada's team to start. There was Jordan Wicks's and DJ Hers's team in the middle. And then there was PCA's team at the end. Uh, I Truly, that's what it was. I, I think you can really name three captains throughout the year. I, I'd say Mervis, Wicks, and, and PCA that had like separate sequences of the season that took us to the title, which you know, you don't say that in minor league baseball. You know, like organizations don't have that many layers of top talent, but the Cubs do. And that's exciting. And um, it should make people listening to this show really, really excited for what's to come because they've only gotten a taste of it. I mean, Nelson Velasquez, that grand slam the other day. I mean, Nelly was here for parts of three years and he grinded his way through it. And I, I can tell you there's dozens of other Nelson Velasquez type guys that are just chomping at the bit to get the opportunity. Now, one cool thing about, you know, after a championship season and you know me, man, I'm a big promo guy. I love all the swag that comes out there. You guys got to do the banner raising, which had to have been a lot of fun. And, mm -hmm. and there's just going to be so many giveaways that have to do, whether it's a championship fleece blanket or all that stuff. I mean, that's a lot of fun for people that go out to the South Bend Stadium. It is. And the banner raising was cool because Chris Hagstrom put me in charge of getting all the players that were on last year's team out to center field from the clubhouse for the banner raising. And if you've ever tried to get 16 guys to walk in the same area <laughs> without being distracted – it's more challenging than you think. Uh, but no, that was cool. I mean, uh, 15 total returners from last year's team, 16 total Midwest League champions, if you count DJ artists from 2019. So that banner raising, I mean, uh, Crawley, you know this being in the Midwest too, but it was a perfect week for baseball. I mean, we had 80 degrees, sunny every single day. I mean, today was another just perfect day. Um, that opening day couldn't have been better. I mean, it was 75 degrees. It was sunny. There was just a a breeze blowing out to center field. So you raise that banner and immediately it starts like whisking in the wind. And you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is a day that Harry Carey wished for, you know, like uh, just a gorgeous, gorgeous day. But um, you know, it, it was fun to see a lot of the guys from last year's team be back because, you know, every, everybody that was on last year's team pretty much got a ring. So, you know, Bradley Beasley, who was literally called up in June, you know, he's back here to start this year. He's out there for the banner raising, and he wasn't even part of the active roster, yet he still gets a ring, and he still gets to help raise the title because he was a part of the team in the first half. And then you, know, you had players um, that were on the active roster, Fabian Pertuz and Kevin Made, who were actually on the field when we clinched it. So that was super special to see them out there, too. Well, let's talk a little bit about the returning guys. You got some some guys, uh, you, you mentioned Kevin Made. You know, he's going to spend some time in shortstop and third base. And, you know, he was, he was a fun, he's a fun guy to watch. I, I, you know, when he got called up and all that stuff, I think that, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that when you talked about, you know, the sneaky kind of grinders, like, like the Nelson Velasquez is he's somebody that really, you know, kind of piques my interest a little bit. Yeah. And he's got a little bit more power too, Crawley than your normal shortstop prospect. I, I think the power for shortstops in particular, and especially young shortstops kind of comes along, but he's got some pop. And he played third base for the first time today in a Cubs uniform and and looked the part. He was great. Um, he had a 
terrific play the other day in the hole left side. There was a bouncing ball. He backhanded it and then actually turned to his glove side, fired a throw, beat the guy by half a step as he threw off balance. It was really impressive. So um, he's still only 20, by the way, too, which you don't guess that when you look at him. You think maybe 23, 24 with the type of body he came in the camp with this year. So he got stronger. And, uh, you know, the pop is just going to continue moving along. Um, He plays confident probably more than any other young shortstop I saw come through here during my career so far. And just from like a, just a total swagger type deal. Um, you know, it took Andy Weber some time, you know, unfortunately Ed Howard got hurt last year. Um, you know, Pertuz last year was really good. The power just really wasn't there. Mate's got pop and power and he plays is a great club. So he's only 20. So that's the thing is, you know, how much do you want to challenge this guy? Do you want to get him a full year ABs at high A? Or do you really want to see what he's got? And maybe by if, you know, let's say he hits 275 in the first half, what do you do with him then? Uh, that's a, but that's a great problem to have, as you know. Right. And, and, you know, Ed Howard is rehabbing and, and you know, it's going to be good if Kevin gets experience at third base, like yeah. you said, he's got the pop and then you can kind of see what Ed Howard can bring to the shortstop position. Uh, another guy returning is Casey Opitz, which I always, I always think of the Casey Opitz game from last year and, just one of those really good guys to kind of have on the team. Good leadership skills, you know? Man, here, I'm going to pull out my scorebook right now for you. I didn't plan on doing this because I got to figure out what Opie has done. So we're playing Beloit this week, Crawley. And the Casey Opitz game came against Beloit last year, as you know, where he had two home runs from the right side of the plate. And then he made the most miraculous play at first base you're ever going to see to get a guy at the plate trying to tag. It was a little blooper in the foul ground, first base side. He made a backhanded lunging catch turned around, fired a strike home for a double play. It was just an amazing play. Um, Opie tripled off the center field wall today. He is now five for 15 in the series with a home run, and he's hitting 300 on this early season. So uh, that's a great first impression. And, Crowley, I kind of feel like at times Casey Opitz kind of gets lost in the sauce of the amount of good catchers that are in the organization. Um yeah, it, the Cubs have drafted catchers spectacularly. And the fact that it's Amaya and Aliendo at double A, and then I think Ethan Hearn obviously was the big name coming to South Bend this year. And, you know, he's done well behind the plate to start. But remember, Opitz is an eighth round pick out of a very good Arkansas program. And he's a switch hitter. He's got some power. And he's probably the best defensive catcher I've seen come through here during my time in South Bend. So that's, uh, I, I, that's a guy I'm rooting for because he's got, but plus, He's got the Chicago personality. Chicago media would eat this guy up for lunch every day. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned Ethan Hearn, and I always – it was Rich Biesterfeld, our friend, who uh, photographer who who kind of really is like, you got to watch this Ethan Hearn kid. got to watch this Ethan Hearn kid. So that that's going to be one for me when I come visit that I really – you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind of checking out. And the other guy is first baseman Hayden McCreary, right? Yeah. He, he, he looks like somebody that, you know – college player right and 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 playing some first base yeah division two out of colorado mesa crawley in back-to-back years of college he hit 481 that's 481 in back-to-back years the exact same batting average and talking to him after media day i was like did you actually hit 481 on the dot in back-to-back years he goes yeah but he says the second year was a little bit better because after the first year i got cold I said, how do you finish the first year cold and still hit 481? What were you hitting before you got cold? 
But uh, yeah, I mean, six foot four, two thirty five. He's a natural catcher that's being transitioned to first base full time. And uh, talk about Pop. Um, he nearly had his third straight day with a home run today. Um, back to back days with a home run the last couple. And um, yeah, I mean, he's going to hit cleanup probably every day here. And you know, he's he's off to a powerful start, similar a la Matt Mervis from last year. I I, I don't know if anybody can ever repeat a Merv season. But uh, Hayden McGeary is off to a pretty good start. And obviously, you know, we got to talk about Kevin Alcantara. Had a big day today. El Jaguar. I mean, I saw, you know, when I when I I talked to him at Cubs convention, I mean, the guy just – sometimes, you know what I mean, guys just have a look. You look at the guy and you're like, that is a ball player. Like – something about him, man just kind of project, like oozes like 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 you know this kid's going to be in the bigs one day that's a great way to put it um oozes confidence actually one thing i forgot to say about mcgeary and i'll get back to alcantara but mcgeary a 15th round pick he joins a fraternity of pretty successful 15th rounders by the cubs david Bodie, jared young bj murray and now hayden mcgeary so keep an eye out for him alcantara yeah i mean pca was the best player i've ever seen but Kevin Alcantara has all the tools to join that club. Six foot six, power. Carly, he went three for four today with two doubles, a home run, and four runs scored. <laughs> That'll play. <laughs> That'll play. Uh, he was outstanding. Um, and it's good because I think he was hitting like 164 in his first seven, which is expected. To be honest with you, Carly, like even doing this for a, a few years now, you know, this is my fifth year in the booth professionally. I, I kind of throw out the month of April, no matter how cold it is, cold, hot, rain. I, I doesn't. I, I April doesn't matter. Like for for a lot of guys, because it's such a grind. And by the time you get to June or July, April's already in the back of people's minds. Um, and and. You know, unless you're competing for a first half division championship, if you're a ball club, for the most part, April kind of gets thrown out the window. So I think Owen Casey's a great example. You know, OC didn't hit above 200 last April. And then in May, he becomes the Chicago Cubs minor league player of the month. It hits over 320 and, and just hitting the cover off the ball, which he is now, by the way. Uh, you know, goodness gracious, <laughs> OC. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alcantara. He's just got everything, Crawley, that you look for. I mean, he's got power. He's got swag. He's got speed. He can play center field pretty well. Um, whether or not he stays in center, because this guy's only going to get bigger. You know, he's listed at, let's see, officially, he's, he's listed at 6'6", 188. I, I would say even he's up to 200 by now. Um, he's at least 200, for sure. But he's just going to keep on getting bigger. I mean, look at look at Nelson Velasquez. The guy is a machine. He got – I can't even tell you how much bigger Nelson Velasquez looks now than the first day we met him in South Bend. So Alcantara one day is going to be that size. Whether he can hang in center field, that becomes the question. But for now, um, he's doing everything right to stay in center field long term. Well, you know, I was looking. You, you opened up with your first series against the Quad Cities, and uh, that was a sweep. So you guys you guys took that. And and when, when you looked at that, you had some really good starting pitching. Uh, Richard Gallardo started game one. And then Luke Little's making the transition huh, out of the bullpen to a starter, stretching him out a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, the plan is to probably have him start all season. He was coming out of the bullpen in South Bend last year because there was just simply no room for him <laughs> when he got called up. Uh, that's how stacked the rotation was at the time. 
uh, when he got to South Bend. And I mean, hell, even, you know, Luis Devers was pitching out of the bullpen when he first got here, too. Um, and, uh, you know, that, but that's a big reason why he won the championship. That goes back to the pitching. But yeah, Little's first start, uh, he went four and two thirds, no hit innings. We took a no hitter into the eighth inning that night. That was game two of the season, by the way. Pretty good. Um, Gallardo was really good on opening day, five scoreless. And then Brandon Birdsell, named the watch, man. Uh, three no-hit scoreless innings in his debut. He threw today, three and two-thirds innings of one-run ball. Uh, only a lot of hit. He was exceptional. Uh, Fifth-round pick out of Texas Tech. So, once again, uh, there is a fraternity of pitching Crawley on the way up. But, um, yeah, the starting pitching was really good the first go-around. Through the first lineage of the rotation, they went 20 innings with one run allowed and 26 strikeouts. It's not bad. Wow. Yeah. And Birdsell, like you said, is all, you know, I keep hearing, you know, I started hearing stuff out in spring training and, and, and the noise just keeps getting louder and louder people banging the drums for Birdsell. So I'm definitely interested to see what he does. Another guy that obviously, you know, near and dear to my heart is Cole Franklin returning to South Bend and, and Cole's, you know, stayed healthy last year. That was the big thing, right? Having him pitch a full season and now, you know, everyone's working on that slider, just very interested to see what Cole can do this year. I, you know, I know how motivated he is to have a really good season. It's amazing what happens when you have a fully healthy offseason for the first time in your career. Uh, you come out the other day here. He pitched on Wednesday. Four innings, no runs, seven Ks. Struck out the side in the first inning. Struck out uh, five of the first seven he faced. It, it just – Crawley, a lot of times in sports – it it's tough for a it's tough for people in general to have patience. And players, coaches, fans. I Crawley, I grew up a diehard Cubs fan. I had the least amount of patience in the world. Right? That that's just how it goes. But Cole sometimes got the short end of the stick the last few years just because there were things out of his control that happened. But now he is in control. You know, we when we were at Club 400 for a Christmas party, we brought up during that interview 953 days. Cole went 953 days without touching a baseball. COVID, well, you know what I'm saying on the field. COVID injuries, that's over. And Cole, Cole Franklin's the top 30 prospect for a reason. And you mentioned that new slider, that four pitch mix. It's looking really, really good. And, and I think Pete, like, like, kind of to back to your point. People don't realize Justin Steele was drafted in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's, you know, and he breaks out in 2022. This stuff is not linear. And with these guys, there are injuries, there are setbacks, there are things that happen. And sometimes these guys have to work through them. And, and a lot of times it makes them stronger and more determined. You know, you're either going to quit or you're going to, you're going to come back even harder. And you, and, and there's no quitting Cole Franklin. You know what I mean? No quitting Cole Franklin. And, you know, Justin Steele, he was here in South Bend before my before my time, but I've gotten an OJ Steele now um, a little bit. And when he was in South Bend, he was a teenager, and he posted an ERA at five. Um, you know, for a lot of guys, that can be mentally taxing. For Jay Steele, he just kept on going. And, and as you said, look what he's doing now. Look what he did at Dodger Stadium last night, right? Um, I, I love Cole Franklin. I, I, in this job, Crawley, being a being a play-by-play guy, you, you root for everybody, but there are certain guys that you just kind of 
have that extra nudge for. That's Cole for me. I mean, he's been he's been an unreal friend, first of all, for the last few years. And him and I have gotten to know each other on a personal level, too. Um, I, I think the world of that kid. And if he keeps on posting numbers like he did in his first start, uh, we will not be seeing him much longer in South Bend. He's going to be on his way to Tennessee. Well, it, it's been it's been a fun start to the season. You know, you got you had, like I said, swept quad cities. Now you got this long stretch of games versus Beloit. And so it's kind of, you know, they, they've, you've taken two, they've taken three. And then tomorrow, hopefully you guys can come back and kind of split the series. Now, as far as people, I, you know, I've told people how much I've always enjoyed going to South Bend, how you guys put on one of the, the, the best game day experiences and, and you and Max have a great time announcing. You also have a bunch of games on marquee. So that has to get you guys stoked along with the road to Wrigley with Lance and Elise and, and Jim. So that it's, a lot of fun that gives people a chance to kind of check in and see what the team's doing on TV. When do you guys play next for marquee? We will play at the end of this month. It's going to be in that Peoria series um, in the last week of April. Um, so we, after we finish up here with Beloit, as you've said, off day on Monday, and we got six up in Midland, Michigan, facing Great Lakes. They're the Dodgers affiliate. And then we'll come back against Peoria. And then later on that week, we're back on marquee. So, yeah, and man, across the board, everybody's great. I mean, um, you know, the Derek and Allie, um, who are in charge of the programming on marquee, um, you know, Mike Santini, uh, you kind of oversees the operation. Um, you know, as you said, Elise and Jim Callis and Lance. And, you know, Lance was here on opening day, actually. And we had an unreal time in the, it was the first time that me, Max or anybody did a three man booth. And, and we just had a hell of a time, you know, we, we, we just had fun together. So plus Lance is an easy guy to get along with. So we, uh, you know, we made it work. He's easy to get along with. And he's got that giant brain that like computes at a level. That's like, really, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, you guys, you know, it cracked me up. And that, and that's the cool thing for being a season ticket holder. We now get the package where we get to watch all the minor league games now, too. So it's always fun for me to kind of just jump around. And, and you know, in the clubhouse here, I got a couple of TVs going all the time. So I kind of get to turn things up and down. But, you know, you and Max do such a great job. And it's so fun to hear you. And I love watching you guys on Marquee. Uh, I, I will definitely be down to visit a couple of times. There's so many guys I want to see, you know, other than you guys, but some of the players that I'm just excited for. So I really appreciate you jumping on BK. It's late at night. You put the tarp out. They got the, they got the leaf blowers, but you know what? That's baseball, man. That's the, baseball. that's the sound of baseball, man. That's what I'm saying, brother. And we're, Hey, we're right back to it tomorrow morning, two o'clock first pitch Eastern. And uh, as you said, we'll try and get the series split uh, against Beloit, but man, like th this is what, this is what we died for. You know, this is what we strive for during COVID, right? I mean, like everybody wanted to, get back to just normal, seeing what they do. I mean, being at the ballpark at 9 p.m., like that's what I wanted to do during COVID. So, I mean, to just be able to do that again every day um, after what we all went through, I mean, that's uh, that's the dream, brother. Well, I was just watching, and I was watching – I always watch your social media accounts. Spin to win today. I was so excited. One of the best promos out there, in case people just don't know, you get to spin and you can win all sorts of fun stuff, including TVs oh, and – all sorts of great things is just one of the best promotions that you have out there. And you said, again, you know, Marquis going to be out there for that series against Peoria. You got yep. a championship trucker hat on the 26th. Thirsty Thursday is my favorite. Uh, you know, fireworks on Friday and then spin to win Saturday. I mean, what else can you ask for, right? Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you ever come out here on a Saturday, uh, we'll, we'll have to get you hooked on the, uh, the spin to win. It is a 
highly competitive wheel. I mean, there's some good stuff up there. You can win, by the way. You can win $500 cash now. So there's, there's a shot you're walking out of here and you spend it all at the team store. I know you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and beers are on the after for the after. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, thanks so much, BK, for jumping on and, and, and good luck. And we're, we're going to be pulling for you down at South Bend and watching what those guys are doing and, and continued success, my friend. Thanks, Carl. You're the man. Appreciate you. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. Cubs squeak past the Dodgers. It's episode 28 of season two. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Crowley, so the uh, Cubs just won their third series in a row. How about the standings right now as uh, they head into next week, in Monday, and they'll be taking on the A's out in Oakland? Oh, you love to see it. The Cubs still in second place. Milwaukee in first, 11-5. and five. But they have an injury to one of their top pitchers. We saw uh, Brendan Woodruff dominate the Cubs. He's going to be out for a little while, at least till the All-Star break. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Pittsburgh's still doing well, 9-7. and seven. Uh, They're kind of coming a little bit back to earth, playing about 500 balls. St. Louis, 7-9, and nine, they're playing 500 ball. And now Cincinnati is in the cellar. So no more bottom feeders for St. Louis. It was fun while it lasted, Dustin. Yeah, that wasn't going to be forever, and we probably expected that the Reds would be the worst team in this division. And the Pirates, you know, do you think they're going to go the opposite way because their young young stud shortstop cracked his ankle against the White Sox last week? Yeah, O'Neal Cruz, he was really, you know, that that's a, a, a terrible loss for them. But you know what? You know, that this is what happens in baseball, next man up, right? Absolutely. Speaking of next man up, say a Suzuki, we got to see him all weekend, he was uh, activated on Friday. And who went uh, down in the corresponding move? That was Miles Mastrobuani. So for all those people that hate Miles Mastrobuani for some reason, he is gone. Saya is, is is back. Brandon Hughes was back. And Nelson Velasquez was, quote, sent to AAA. I'm hearing they got a couple guys out there because Cody Bellinger's wife is pregnant. She's due any day. And so I don't, I, I haven't heard that Nelson is back in Iowa. My understanding was they were going to kind of keep him around so that if, if Cody has to go on paternity leave, they have an outfielder right there with them on the West Coast. Right. So, well, the I-Cubs, the I-Cubs had a, a double header schedule today that was washed out. Right. And so Kyle Hendricks is scheduled to throw a 30 to 35 pitches in a sim game tomorrow. So slowly, slowly working his way back. Well, we're thought they were always talking May, and I think May is realistic. We'll see. Uh, some interesting news, though, that popped out. Dustin, as you know, I love to go to watch the Cubs play in different stadiums. And when you do that, right, you give them your email address and all this stuff. So every I get emails all the time about all the series, and, and I always I don't know why I look at them. I'm just a weird baseball guy. But I got an email from the Marlins. I went to opening day 2018. Ian Happ hits the first pitch as a home run for the season. Absolutely awesome. I had a great time in my Miami. So I take a look at my email and this is what pops up is a graphic of, you know, they're celebrating the 20th anniversary of their 2003 world series championship. And so the Marlins put this email out, come celebrate Bartman appreciation weekend. You have a couple of Marlins on the front and in the back is Steve Bartman, a silhouette, you know, the glasses, the hats, the headphones, everybody remembers that. I put that out, Dustin, on Friday, and it blew up, went absolutely viral. And so a reporter ends up going there, Andy Slater, talking to him, and the Marlins said that there were never plans for a Bartman promotion, this Bartman Appreciation Day, and the graphic was sent in air. 
And so a new email went out with the correct graphic and the graphic looks like this. It's the same exact thing. The only thing is it doesn't have the Bartman and it doesn't say Bartman Appreciation Day. That, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? But, well, but why, I don't even understand. I don't even understand why just because of, I mean, it, I mean, is Bartman supposedly living down in that area now? I mean, what, what, were the, what, was, what was the idea? Like, it's not even the date. I mean, I could see if you're like, if it was the day of, right? If you were celebrating that i mean listen okay but i i just i'm just surprised i'm surprised that they would be that petty but it was i mean it's a big part of 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 their history just as much as it is a big part of cubs history right well how about how about just celebrating it without barman and saying that they were the better team right i mean because they won so they won because their manager played it smart in game seven they won because they never gave up and so you want to sit there and think, I was at the game. I was at game seven. I was at game six and I was at game seven in 2003. And it wasn't until after everything fell apart, after the double play and after the inning that people started blaming Bartman at the time, at the very moment, it was like, Oh, and then, well, we'll get them on the next one. And then the double play happens. But I think, I think that they were trying to be edgy. I thought they were trying to be funny. And I thought they, that when they got called out for what they did, because you know what, man, I was at that game and I was pissed off at Steve Bartman like the rest of the Cub fans were. And I've atoned for my sins as best I can. I feel bad for the way I acted that night. I didn't do anything. I didn't throw anything at the guy or anything. But I, I was definitely chanting some words that uh, were that emanated from uh, Waveland Avenue. And uh, I was pissed off um, and, and, and very upset at the time. But you know what? Obviously, we realized it wasn't his fault. There were a lot of things that the Cubs did wrong that they shouldn't have that series, especially game six, game seven. I just thought it was really tacky, especially knowing Steve's uh, desire to want to stay out of the spotlight. Yeah, it's tacky, but I mean, they're they're a team that, that struggles for attendance, right? They got to try to do anything they can. So, what, Crawley, repeat what they said though. That so you got you looked into it, and then you got an email saying that that's not what they meant. This is Andy Slater at Andy Slater. He's a reporter. He went in and basically, I, I was, I've been talking to him on Twitter through uh, DMs. He asked me some questions. I sent him my emails and stuff, so he knew it wasn't uh, Photoshop. And then he went to the Marlins, and they said there were never plans <laughs> for a Bartman promotion. Come on. The graphic was sent in error. There's no error. No way. Uh-uh. No. That's not, buy, saying, not, not buying it, Crowley. <laughs> not not going to buy it. Not going to buy it at all. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know what it is? I understand it, but it still stings. Right. It still does. And even after 2016 and all the victories, it still bothers me. I still, I remember, I'll always remember that till probably the day I die being there and, and thinking five more outs and, and, and falling apart that quickly. So the uh, Cubs right now, Crowley are uh, firing up uh, air rickets and they're uh, going to get ready to go up to the Bay area. And they are going to take on the athletics. One of the worst teams in baseball. Now, I said it's never easy on the West Coast, but it's very unusual for the Cubs to play the Dodgers and Oakland. Usually, this is, again, because of the all 30 teams playing each other. Usually, it's the Cubs, and then they'll take a little hop over to San Fran, the opposite side of the Bay. So, this is kind of an interesting West Coast swing. And like you said, they're one of the worst teams, and the expectations are sky high that the Cubs come through here. Now, game one, you have Hayden Wesniski versus Kyle Mueller. Hayden's 0-2 with the 750 ERA this season. His last start was a disaster. 1.1 innings. He gave up five hits on seven runs, two earned with four walks, zero strikeouts. You talked to Tommy Hadovy 
on Molly and Hall. Uh, you, the guys and you talked to Tommy Hadovy about what, what Hayden's struggles, and hopefully he can get past that this time around. Right. Well, the biggest thing that he mentioned that the kid's just trying too hard, and so he just hopefully was able to take some breaths, watch what went on in L.A., and hopefully he is ready to go. Because I think this is an important start for him. There's no doubt about that. He just for the Cubs are in a good position right now, but he for his own peace of mind needs to go out there. You know, one point one innings that that's unacceptable, and that that had to sit with him for an entire week. He's got to come into this game awfully motivated. And not only that, uh, I mean, it's one of the worst lineups in baseball. I mean, if you just look at the lineup, it looks awful. Uh, and so, you know, you don't have the pressure. Like if he would have had to face Mookie Betts, if he had to face Freddie Friedman and Max Muncy, this is a lot right. easier to go through this. So he should relax. Hopefully he does. On the opposite end, Kyle Muller had a bad start his last time against the Orioles going four innings. He gave up seven hits, six earned runs, three walks, and three Ks. He hasn't had a decision yet this year, which is good for him. 552 ERA. In his other two starts, he went five innings, gave up two runs versus the Guardians, and one run in his first start against the Angels. Neither team has seen the opposing pitcher, so first-timers for everybody. Good. Absolutely. No excuses, then. Let's go, Hayden. Game Hayden. number two. Yep. Marcus Stroman takes the takes the mound for the Cubs. Uh, Stroman's 2-1 and one with a 1 ERA. Had a quality start his last time out, going six innings, giving up five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and six Ks against the Mariners. Jace Peterson has seven at-bats for this uh, versus Stroh, and he's batting 143 against Stroman. And Ramon Laureano has five at-bats and zero hits. Now, the Cubs will be facing Ken Waldachuk. Waldachuk is 0-2 on the season with a 10-20 ERA. His last start versus the Orioles, he went 6.1 innings. He gave up five hits and three runs. But in his two starts previous to that, he gave up eight runs against the Rays and six runs against the Angels. Swanson has three at-bats against Waldachuk with one hits, but most of the Cubs have not seen him just yet. So high-scoring game in that one, right? That's what we're going to predict? <laughs> pound the over, pound the over at least, so let, let's hope. But now in the finale, the Justin Steele, we've talked about him, 2-0 and with a 142 ERA. Huge game against the Dodgers on Friday night. Seven innings pitched, three hits. Gave up two runs, one walk, and eight Ks. The A's will counter with James Caprillion. He's 0-2 with a 12-15 ERA. So in his last three starts, he's given up six, seven, and five runs. So, you know, Dustin, I mean, you're looking at these pitching, uh, you're looking at these pitching matchups, and obviously Hayden's the one that struggled the most. Other than that, you, you saw, was, you saw um, Drew Smiley's had two great starts. You saw the good start versus the Dodgers that um, Tyone had, and then uh, Steele and Stroman have been lights out pretty much all season. So hoping that Wisniewski gets on board and that this pitching staff keeps rolling. All right, before we get into the predictions, Crowley, let's talk about uh, who's hot and who's not. You talked about Cody Bellinger's extra motivation, 7 for 19 for Cody. So pretty darn good on that. And Nico Horner's right there with him, 7 for 20. Well, Patrick Wisdom with three home runs in three games. Really impressed with him, but, you know, love to see what Bellinger's doing, and, and hopefully he can continue it in Oakland. Yeah, let's keep Patrick Wisdom uh, batting how he has been right there. And then the, the not, and unfortunately, Crowley, the not is my guy, Trey Mancini. Not only is he not hot at the plate, do, do they need to get a glove that fits his hand? I mean, 
he almost had a terrible error that could have been a disaster in game three. Yeah, the, he's three for 16 in his last seven days. And like you said, the ninth inning on a, on a play that Dansby made, it was a long toss, one of those that you're going to skip on the ground that would have been a huge second out. Uh, he, he absolutely he just dropped it. So Right. As your guy uh, Sutcliffe said, you know, Bellinger did the hard part, and then it was up to Mancini to do the quote-unquote easy part. But it looked like the glove just fell right off his hand. Right. And for Oakland, I mean, there's not a lot of hot here. You got uh, – Brent Rooker, <laughs> Brent Rooker, eight for twenty, so he's doing all right. Um, and Jace Peterson, you remember, Jace Peterson's been around. He's seven for twenty-one, so they've been good the last week. Uh, former Cub was it? Wasn't Tony Kemp a Cub, right? I At believe so. Name Tony sounds Kemp? right. Yeah. yeah. So he's four for his last twenty-one. So I, I want—I swear Tony Kemp was a Cub for a minute or two, but. You know, these are guys right now that, this, like I said, just not a great team, and, and, and hopefully the Cubs can really take advantage of that. You think about that, Dustin. You had, uh, you took the series, you split the series against the Reds. You took the series against the Rangers, the Mariners, now the Dodgers. That's three series in a row that you've won, and three out of four series total plus a split. All right? So now you come in here and you have, uh, you have, the weak Oakland A's, and I was correct in in 2019. 2019, four games, four games there in 2019. Good job. I knew, I, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I so, just went to the Google. I, I just went to the Google machine as well. So, so definitely excited about this series. But like I said, with baseball, you never know. So we'll see. All right, prediction time, Crowley. What are you doing? You go first this time. I'm going with the clean sweep of the Oakland Athletics. That team is falling apart. That ballpark is falling apart. They have a possum living in the the uh, visitor's announcer's booth. And How so about they that had story? to do it from yep. somewhere else. So you know what, man? If you can't take three from the Oakland, shame on you, man, because I, I don't know. I'm just looking at the rotation. I'm looking at the matchups. I'm looking at their lineup. I'm looking at they're coming off a high. Don't overlook them, but they should be able to take three from this team. Should, absolutely should. I, I'm going to say two out of three. I'm going to say the Cubs win another series. Um, but uh, it's very hard It's very hard to sweep. But, hey, I, I hope you're right, and I hope I'm right, that they at least get another series win. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook. Also, Instagram, you can email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. And you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Tell your friends to subscribe as well, because I'm telling you what, this, this Cubs team has no quit. They're a lot of fun. They're getting ready to take on the A's, and then they come back to Wrigley, and I'll be there. Go Cubs! It's all over.